So I want to invite you this morning to ask yourself if you've been ignoring the challenge um, in this series about doubt and faith. It's been hard for me to acknowledge it in my own life. I've been blaming others for the stress and the chaos that I feel, unable and sometimes unwilling to see my doubts for what they really are. But we all have room to grow, and until we see Jesus in heaven, none of us will ever arrive at a place where we have no more growing to do. I might have told you before why I'm on the teaching team, but maybe it's worth mentioning this morning again. So it was a couple years ago, um, we were having a worship night, and I just shared a little bit about what was on my heart that I had written a couple hours before the event, so like no big prep or anything. Um, I never had proved to Jake that I know a lot about the Bible or God or, or anything, <laughs> but you can, you can still stay and listen, please. Um, so anyway, the, the, after I shared my heart that night, his invitation to me to preach was, so when are you going to preach? I'm like, oh, no. Because um, on my own, I don't have anything to offer you guys. What Jake heard from me that night and what I hope you hear this morning is truth that I've discovered through my own process with God. He will give you hope and strengthen your faith when you're willing to surrender your doubts to him. So I say that to just level the playing field. Because just, just because I have the opportunity to stand on stage and tell you my own current struggles with faith and doubt doesn't mean that I know more than you, that I have it figured out, or even that I know what I'm doing um, processing my own doubt, but God can handle all that. I know it's been an exercise of faith for Jake just to invite me to share with you He's trusting that I'm putting in the work to prepare like a sound message for you, but more than that, he's trusting that God is big enough to use whoever, whatever, however, to speak his truth to his people, to you and me, so that we get to know him better. This morning, I'm going to share some things that might make you feel like you want to, to respond to me. If we're friends, you might walk away going, oh, I want to text her like, Mal, you're not those things. You're not failing. You're not you know, whatever, a failure. But um, those, those are nice things. And some of you, let me say, God has used some of you to encourage me in my struggles, so thank you. I'm not minimizing that. But what my heart needs, um, I know what you guys need, what all people need um, when we're feeling like we're in that place of doubt, of failing, um, struggling to feel like we're worth anything. What we need in those moments is affirmation from God. I, I understand that desire to want to give um, advice or encouragements, um, but what, we, what I need to know, what I need to do is surrender and come to a place where I know in every circumstance that God is enough. The truth that I believe he wants us to know this morning as we talk more about doubt and personally what God has been teaching me is God is enough. Will you pray with me? God, on my journey of learning to trust you, I surrender. I surrender this morning. I surrender what you've been doing in my heart as I have prepared something that I think you can and will use this morning. I trust that you are enough. I'm thankful and I believe that you have already been working in people's hearts to hear what you want them to hear to learn new truths about you. So thanks for reminding me through this series that nobody is immune to doubt. And sometimes, actually, it's the tool that you want to use 
to draw me closer to you. Continue to do that in my own heart as I share this morning and draw people to that place of surrender, of desire, of wanting more of you. Amen. Welcome, by the way. I know I didn't start with that. Um, I'm Mallory, part of the teaching team here at Finding Life. Um, recently, some of my girlfriends started a podcast and they asked me to be a guest. It was really fun. Um, they led with the question, what are your primary roles in life? I told them, I'm a wife, a mom, and I'm a struggling, honest follower of Jesus. And this morning, I'm, I'm going to add that I'm a doubter. Now, you've heard from Travis and Courtney and Jake already also in this series, and they've told you that that's not a bad thing, and I don't disagree with them. Um, sometimes it feels pretty crappy to, to doubt and to question, but it's good. Um, Courtney challenged me with her message to consider if maybe I'm just living in the earthly realm. Maybe I'm, I'm unaware and not participating in what God is doing in my life. She offered a few categories that we might fall into, one of which was maybe we're burying the doubts that we have and ignoring them, not participating, like I said, in what God is doing in our lives. And Travis suggested a few examples of maybe why we're doubting. He said, maybe you doubt because you expect things that God has never promised. Those are the things that I have related to, that I've identified with as we've talked about doubt so far. And it's hard. And I have a lot of work to do, but I'm really thankful. I'm thankful that I find myself in this place because it means to me that I have somewhere to go, that I have growing to do, and that God wants to change my heart and draw me closer and eliminate those doubts in my life. I know that he will remove the doubts that have been paralyzing me. Last week, Drake dropped the biggest bomb on my situation. And in my faith journey, he said, God must be the purpose. I find myself pursuing so many other things, um, thinking that my faith is about my salvation, about my eternal um, dwelling place in heaven, or about being a good person, doing good things for other people. But that is not the point. The point must be God, to know him, to know his character. He must be my pursuit. So if we revisit the puzzle illustration that we've talked about, this is what my situation looks like. The edge is all put together, and it has been for a long time. Friends have sat around the table with me pointing out pieces that definitely go together, and I listen. I'm usually thankful when someone else has been there, done that, and can tell me what I'm missing so that I get to fast forward through that time it might have taken for me to see it for myself. Sometimes they take the pieces and put them right between my fingers, though, and I just sit there with my eyes closed because I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that part, or it doesn't seem right to me, or I'm tired, and the effort to turn the pieces around to make this fit into that is too much. The rest of the pieces are carefully sorted according to color or Pattern or general common sense, like these pieces look like sky, so they must go toward the top. But the piles change every so often. These blues look like water more, actually, so I start a new grouping. There's even some pretty large clusters of pieces that have been matched, pressed in, solid, sure, starting from the edge and beginning to satiate the uncharted territory within the perimeter. A few of these areas are locked in, maybe even gathering dust because they fit, and I'm not thinking about them anymore, and they comfort me. 
But for a lot of it, sometimes I have to take it apart just to make sure it goes back together like I thought. Sometimes I've spent too much time away from the puzzle. When I come back to it, something seems off. So I have to take them apart, even though it's painful. Redoing that work can be frustrating. can feel like I'm learning it all again, or I'm learning something completely different than what I thought. My end goal, though, is to complete it and be sure that each piece is exactly where it's supposed to be, so I press on one piece at a time. We like bullet points, right? We like action items. Um, I do. I'm a list maker. I'm a note taker. But if I'm honest, I don't... Um, it's pretty rare that I revisit my notes from church. Um, you'll notice on your worship flyer then that I didn't give you any bullet points. Um, I'm not going to call it laziness on my part. I'm going to say it's an opportunity for you to decide and to listen to how God might call you to respond this morning. Um, I'll share what my plan is, of course. Um, but we're all in different places. And God will prompt each of us to respond in different ways. So if it's helpful, maybe write down questions that, that come to your mind as you listen. Jot down scripture references so you can go back yourself and look at those. If God encourages you with something I say, write that down. You guys will know um, what you need to write to, to prompt you. But before we get there, I want to let you in on where I started in this journey. So I kind of alluded to it already um, when we started talking about doubt, when I started searching my own thoughts about this series, I started out thinking that I didn't have many doubts, or maybe just little ones, just little things I needed to address, but I don't know if there really is a little doubt. I was probably just minimizing it myself. Like I said, I thought that I was in a better place than I actually was, or am. So I thought, yeah, this will be really good. Let's, you know, let's dig in. I, I want to know God more and better um, I'll get to know his character and be more sure of who he is in my life. Let's do it. So I sat down and I wrote, why is my faith not changing me? This question came from a brainstorming email that was sent among the teaching team, and it really stuck out because I've come across that question in my faith journey several times in the past, and I can think of those really specific times. Um, usually it's like a long car ride somewhere, and I, I bring it up to Alex I don't know, I feel like he can't run away and has to talk through it with me. Um, and I know this will surprise you guys, but I get really emotional and I cry every time. Um, but anyway, I, I come to these places where I'm questioning, why am I not changing? I feel disconnected and convicted for not doing more. And maybe conviction is the wrong word because that's holy, but guilty that what I'm doing isn't enough. I feel that the little bit that I am doing, prayer or studying maybe, or if I'm really dedicated lately, journaling, um, seeking wisdom from friends who also follow Jesus, it just feels like it comes up empty. And I must be doing wrong because nothing is fruitful. If I pray about this, because honestly sometimes I just try and muscle through it on my own, God always gives the same affirmation, and it comes from Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I read that and I, I recognize now that in those doubting moments, what I'm doubting is that God can save me or that what Jesus did is enough to cover me. I feel like there must be something I need to do to be saved. And it's a lie, plain and simple. God needs nothing from me. And because of the truth he tells me in Ephesians 2, I have no reason to doubt God. God is enough. In verse 13, he says, But now Christ Jesus... But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. While we were a long way off, he has brought us near. Right now, in the mess that I'm feeling, in the day-to-day -day chaos, the emotions that sometimes overwhelm me and overtake me, he has brought me near. The chasm that I feel is false. I am close to God. In fact, he dwells in my heart now. He will deepen and strengthen our connection, sure, but I am already his. He is never and he will never leave me. When I tell myself this truth, I can move past the doubt and start experiencing the freedom that God intends for me. When I realize I don't have to work for my salvation, I am free from the expectations that I used to place on myself, like yesterday, to be a good Christ follower. When I doubt that God is enough for me, the choice I need to make is to lean into him. When I'm struggling with this, God wants to show me that he is enough. And when you're struggling with this too, instead of giving up or running away, just be with God. Start there. He longs for you to know satisfaction and fullness in him. This doubt can show up in every stage of following Jesus though. When you're learning the fundamentals, you're putting the edge of your puzzle together. It's natural to question or doubt, is God big enough? Has he done enough to cover all of my mess? 1 John 1, 9 says, you don't have to doubt that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you're questioning your circumstances, you're sorting out your puzzle pieces into piles, trying to make sense of things, wondering, is God enough even though I'm at rock bottom and nothing makes sense right now? You don't have to doubt that, that he's enough, I mean. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. If these are legitimate doubts that you're, you're dealing with right now, just me reading these verses isn't going to solve things for you. I'm definitely aware of that. But when you spend time discussing this in prayer with God, bringing it to him and seeking his truth, spending your own time with him, he will prove faithful. The next doubt that I come up with or come up against in my life is pretty closely tied to that and quickly follows that doubt. Yes, I'm saved. No, I don't have to do anything to secure it for myself. But if I stay there, I'm missing out. My doubt manifests itself in my laziness. I doubt that God is enough. 
because I'm not even asking him to be a part of what I'm dealing with. I recognize now I'm expecting to feel the power and know the heart change that comes from the reconciliation to God without putting effort into it. This is what Travis addressed, that we are expecting, I'm expecting things from God that he never promised to me. Reading and understanding scripture is hard. On top of all the other responsibilities I feel of normal life as a new working mom, prioritizing time with Jesus is really hard. For me, it looks like maybe getting up a little bit earlier or working out at night instead or, or whatever. But getting up early, sitting down with coffee and breakfast, because breakfast is the best, but, and that feeds my soul. Um, praying and reading and journaling, um, finding, finding those um, times to really converse with God. For me, journaling is the thing that, that God uses the most to, to draw out those, those doubts and to speak to me um, when I'm writing about scripture or, or whatever, just the emotions that I'm feeling overtaken by. But that's what setting aside that time looks like for me. So on the outside, it probably doesn't look like I'm lazy. I hope it doesn't look like I'm lazy. I surely don't feel it um, because in reality, I've been filling my time and spending my energy on so many other things. Whoops. Um, I've become lazy in my faith because I doubt that the time that I spend with Jesus is worth it because it's hard. That sucks to say. <sighs> there it went, and I can't bring it back. <clears throat> but I'm tired. I'm tired, and I'm working so hard to feel like I'm making a difference at work or at home with my husband, Alex, with my son, Ben. I doubt that I'm enough, and there is some truth to that. I'm not enough for Alex. I'm not enough for Benjamin. Only God is enough. <clears throat> my life, the burden I feel to be enough for them reveals that I doubt that God is enough for them. And I need to put a side note in here. I'm, as I'm realizing this, as I'm working it out, as I've been preparing this for you guys, God is faithful to address something else here for me. Because as I was saying those things, um, Satan wants to make me feel like I'm not enough ever in any context, and that is not true. God continues to remind me and wants you to know also about your identity in him. He sees Jesus when he looks at me. So even though I'm not enough for my family, I am enough for God. I'm a new creation because of Jesus. And side note, and crying. <laughs> Maybe. But if you're writing down, like, little tweetable things, that one's good. You are enough for God, in case you needed some prompting for that. <laughs> so, so where do I go? Like, how, how do I stop doubting that invest, investing time in my faith is worth it? How do I start valuing Jesus over my never-ending to-do list? I don't know. <laughs> but I do know when I practice it, he shows me. He shows me that it's valuable. I'm still trying to figure it out. But James chapter 1, 2 through 8 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind. 
For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Verse 6. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wave. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from God. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know the idiom, first world problems, or the hashtag, or whatever. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say, I know that my trials are first world trials, but I feel buried by them sometimes, and that's important to God. What I mean is, I've wondered if the burden that I feel for working a job full-time, managing our home, tending to our marriage, parenting our son, are my own version of trials right now. When I consider it in, the light, in light of the doubts that I see related to these things, it sure feels like it's testing my faith, so I'm just going to go with it. I also want to acknowledge, though, that you might be listening to me thinking, gosh, if she only knew. And the burdens that you carry are much different than mine. I'm not trying to make light of your heartache or your circumstances complaining about my seemingly happy little life. What I love about this is that God knows your heart and he knows my heart too. He knows what weighs you down and he knows what weighs me down and he meets us both He cares for us both in our unique places. So what I've been missing is the opportunity, though, to let steadfastness have its full effect on me. Every day, I have the chance to surrender the weight of this to God and let him perfect my faith and fill me with joy. That's where I want to stop. I want to stop after verse 5. And when I was preparing, I did stop after verse 5. But God continues with the truth here. Ask God for wisdom and he will give it. Awesome. Last week, Jake said that if the goal of our faith, though, is to no longer wonder about whatever it is, then we will always be left wanting. The wisdom that I need is wisdom about who God is. When he is the pursuit of my faith, he will always show himself to me. He will always give me more of him, and I must ask him without doubting, expecting he will deliver. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I have no reason to doubt God. God is enough. He is enough for me. He is enough for my family. And seeking him is always worth it. I can trust these things. My salvation is secure in Christ. When I seek God, he will show up. When I surrender the things that overwhelm me, God will give me rest. The final thing that's been defeating me lately is weariness. My doubt shows up when I try to do it all. I try to be more, to achieve greater things on my own. I doubt that taking time to rest is fruitful or valuable. And I also doubt that God can't refresh my soul or that I doubt that he can refresh my soul before my to-do list is completely done. The problem is the list never ends. Well, the real problem is I'm not trusting God, but you feel me. I doubt that God can really restore me. I'm acting like Martha, and Jesus calls me to rest instead. He wants to renew and restore me. The story I'm talking about is in Luke 10, 38 through 42. 
Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha came or welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. When I read this, sometimes I just see Alex and myself, and I hear Jesus go, Mallory, Mallory, you are anxious. You're missing it. Slow down. Be with me. I know I've struggled with it in the past, but since becoming a mom, I have a really hard time letting go of those expectations and allowing myself time and space to rest. So in addition to my morning picture that I drew for you, in addition to dedicating specific time to being with Jesus, because that brings like soul level renewal and rest, and it will not be taken away from us, as Jesus said. For me, rest looks like being okay with letting the laundry stack up for one more day. Or asking Alex to help me with a chore and then actually letting him do it instead of just getting impatient and doing it myself with a really bitter attitude. <laughs> or it looks like going for a walk when it's nice outside. Or sitting down to watch a TV show with Alex after Ben goes to bed and not sitting there being discontent about every little thing not being in its right place at home. I really struggle with that. But <clears throat> as I'm saying these things as I'm calling them out in my own heart and in my life, God is using these specific truths that I'm going to read to you to help me surrender my doubt about this. Isaiah 40, 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Psalm 107, 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, come to me, all who, are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God knows just what I need. He knows just what you need. When I surrender these doubts, when I sit down specifically to be with Jesus and listen what he has to say, I can read those verses and hear him personalize it for me. He says, I will gently lead you as you navigate the responsibilities and the joys of motherhood. I will fill your hungry soul with good and satisfying things. Come be with me, Mallory. I see the hard work that you're doing, but what you need is me. Be with me and you will find rest for your soul. I can get really overwhelmed by life. Maybe you got that already. Um, but I imagine that you can relate, at least on some level. I've shared these intimate stories with you because I want you to hear the hope that God gives me. I want you to know that he offers it to you too. The struggle and the doubt that I'm working through actually is bringing me closer to God. I hope you hear that in the examples that I'm sharing. If I'm willing to do the work and to process with him and surrender to him and dedicate time to him, he's always going to be faithful. The journey of faith isn't going to be easy, like I've expected it, that it would. I have expected, as I said, that I don't have to put in the hard work 
but it's just not true. Faith is hard. It's hard because it's supposed to be hard, though. The reward comes as you work through the hard part with God, and he shapes you, and he shows you more of his heart and his plans. The reward comes with each piece that you press into place, having worked so hard to figure out how it fits. When you stay committed, the illustration on the puzzle is revealed, even if just a little at a time. It will be more clear with each piece. So last week, we watched a short video and heard from Anne-Marie about how she's addressing and surrendering her own doubts. She found herself in a place where she was dealing with the hardest circumstances she has ever faced, she told us. And at the same time, learning new things about God that made her question everything that she thought she knew to be true about him. We have another clip this morning, so just take a look as she shares her experience. I felt, I felt angry, I felt confused, I felt sad, like I had lost this faith that I thought I had and this security and, and everything was up for grabs. Um, and I was, I knew, I knew that God was real, but I didn't know if I liked what I found. I didn't know if I could trust it. I wasn't sure if he was for me and what that meant. Um, and then combined with my circumstances, I was just like, God, how could you lead me into something and then just disappear? And I'm, I'm reading David talk about, you know, in Psalms about how great God is and his love for him. And I'm just like, just shut up. You know, <laughs> I didn't even want to listen to it. Um, things were just making me really frustrated and I would try to walk away and then come back and, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't walk away. I had to figure it out, but there's no really figuring God out. So I guess where this has brought me all together is becoming more comfortable with God being super mysterious. So when people would say things like, that's not how God works. I'm like, you don't know, you don't know how God works. And God's going to do that for you. You can trust him for that. I'm like, how do you know? Um, and some of those things I still don't don't think you really can know. There's some things that he does, um, he shows himself and proves to us through stories um, <clears throat> that, that we are supposed to bank on. Um, but I was finding myself caught, caught up in what turned out to be the minor side of the circumstance and saying, see, that's how God is. And that wasn't really the point of the story. It wasn't who he was trying to display himself as. He was showing one aspect of himself and I wanted to be the boss. I wanted to say, no, um, that's how you acted right then. And so I can't trust you right now. Um, and ultimately that that's really a lonely feeling and scary. Um, so naturally when you feel these sorts of things about the God of the universe, but you're not sure that they're true, <laughs> you're really not sure they're true, then you feel super guilty for feeling these things, and you're just like, oh my gosh, God has had it with me. But at the same time, I'm compelled to be real. If I'm not walking through this, then what am I doing? Am I just gonna be like, all right, I'm just gonna settle in and go back to, no, God is good, God is good, <laughs> when I don't really, at the deep like core of my existence, believe that. Um, especially when faced with this stuff. Um, and that made me feel, if nothing else, inadequate to 
be a Christian woman, a pastor's wife, a life group leader. So I would go into those contexts feeling like I have to, I have to pretend at some level. Um, I, I don't want to drag these women down. I, um, you know, and there, I, I didn't, it was hard to figure out how do you do this well? Um, and really question, question God in a kind of in a holy way. The choice to go there, to tell God exactly what you're afraid of, and then to be willing to let him change your perspective or show you new things that may be different than what you've known your entire life is scary. Anne-Marie said for her it was lonely. Every day we're faced with reasons to set faith aside, but we will never be filled up by these other things. By God's design, nothing else can satisfy our hearts but him. This is described in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we were still in this tent... While we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. That imagery is just so rich and so confusing. <laughs> Here, now, I'm not living in my permanent, eternal body or home. It doesn't come as a surprise to any of us because we're all going to die, Right? Our tent is temporary, but the house that God has prepared is eternal. When we are reconciled to God by claiming the sacrificial death of Jesus for our sins, as payment for our sins, God prepares an eternal home for us with him in heaven. Verse 2 said, we groan. We long for that so deeply. We cannot be satisfied on earth because we are still separate from God. We cannot even experience life to the fullest here because there is death and sin. Verse 5, he who has prepared for us this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I will never be satisfied with things, with doing more or being more. I've believed the lie that when you receive the Holy Spirit, that doubt is removed, that we are always of good courage, like that said. But it's not the implication that it, it really has. It's not what's promised to us. The truth is when you encounter the person of God, you cannot doubt. When you know his spirit, when you see his work in your life and you feel it in your heart, his sovereignty is undeniable. I'm going to read from Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When I read, every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain be made low, I see this majestic and fantastic scene 
It is deafeningly loud and fast, and the land breaks and rocks fly everywhere. You can actually see the wind and the ripples in the atmosphere as the earth takes its place and makes way for its creator. Faster than even seems physically possible, the dust settles like it's sucked down into its specific place. And you're not even sure exactly how far you can see because the planes just go on and on and on. The sun seems brighter and feels warmer because there's nothing blocking its rays. All of creation stands waiting anxiously on their toes. The excitement and the anticipation of every creature is tangible and thick. There is no doubt in this moment. Only God could have caused such a bizarre and beautiful thing to happen. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. God is showing me his power as I give my doubts to him. He wants to demonstrate his glory for you also so that you may know him better. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God will meet you in your weakness. He himself will be your strength, and he will take your doubt and give you security. It will take commitment, it will take dedication, and it will be hard, but it will be worth it. Thankfully, he doesn't get tired of waiting on us when we falter, because we do. We are going to sing one more song together, and even if your heart doesn't align with the words yet, I invite you to pray that God will show you more and more of himself until he is the only source of your delight, of your hope, and your strength.